Welcome to Scale with Virtual Assistants, where we explore how to get support from virtual assistants so that you can grow your business and have a life. Welcome, everyone. Today, I've got a um, special treat for you. We are joined by Josephine, who is the director of Geared for Growth. Uh, she provides consulting services to senior leadership um, teams to make sure they've got strong cultures, which is obviously very uh, close to my heart, and also that they're able to lead teams. So welcome, Josephine. Hi, Carmen. Great to be here. Awesome. Josephine's also cool because she's a serial entrepreneur. You've also got a belly dancing studio. We're not going to be talking about that much today, but I love receiving your social media. It looks amazing. Fantastic. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad it's it's having that impact. It's nice to send something that people like. So it's, it's, And um, I thought it would be great to have a chat with Josephine today because she's got a team of virtual assistants and she's an expert at supporting leaders with teams. So I'm sure she's got some amazing insights into how she leads her own team so that we can then ponder about how we lead our virtual assistant teams as well. Um, so Josephine, do you want to share with me where your business was at when mm-hmm. you decided to get a virtual assistant? Yes. Yeah, so I started my business in 2019 and I had been working in senior management in in a corporation in um, Australia uh, in telecommunications and I pretty much started looking for a virtual assistant straight away because I knew that I needed to set up a team that would support the business to allow me time to work on the business. Um, so I, I came in in with that view in particular because I knew it was really important. Yeah. So you were an um, early adopter of virtual assistants. I also got a virtual assistant like pretty much straight away as well. So that's amazing. And so one of the questions um, people often ask is what does a virtual assistant do? So Josephine, what do your virtual assistants do for you? They basically do all the things that I could do, but I'd rather not do. And that that includes um, those administrative tasks. So um, email management, folder management, all of those kind of things that take up a little bit of time. And particularly when I was just starting out, helping me with my website, helping me create content for that and and also just those those things that relate to low level client engagement as well because I at the beginning in particular I was doing a lot of client engagement but there are some things that they could do like setting up appointments and setting up some even setting up some of the automations that are that are really the backbone of my business so I'm really I'm an advocate for automating as much as possible because that that also reduces the error in your business as well, so when it's automated. Um, so so yeah. all of that, really getting organised and making sure it, it happens. I, I love it. Uh, you're speaking my language, like automation and people together, like it's just gold when you get them both working. Absolutely. And the other thing that they did particularly was help me structure uh, a social media plan and also implement a social media plan because that that that's important in terms of getting the message out there about what I was embarking on and what a, what what I have to offer in the in the business as well it's really super important to be consistent so that people get to know you for the kind of superpowers you have and, and particularly how you can help them particularly when they have a problem yeah, that, that's amazing. And so you were sharing with me that you've got multiple virtual assistants. Yes. And uh, they do different things for you. So tell me a bit more about that. 
So I've always had uh, help, particularly from virtual assistants, to do some of the writing. And I, I love writing. I can spend, you know, many, many hours writing. But again, it's not a great use of my time as a business owner to be spending time writing. My my role is to be spending time talking to clients or potential clients. So I would actually um, get, get a virtual assistant to help me do some writing Uh now, that's a very different skill to someone who's organizing my business on the back end, who's creating uh, processes and also implementing processes, who's getting all of those administrative tasks. I wouldn't expect that I would find one person who can do both or even enjoy doing both. Um, and the, the skill sets are different. So with someone who is writing, I need them to be creative. I need them to be a, a bit of a content um, expert in the area that I'm looking at. But the administrative tasks require someone with attention to detail and, you know, who just loves to organise things. Yes. And that second type of person is what most people, when they come to me, it might not be what they think they want, but it's what they need in their business. So it's like that's a foundational uh, skill set. And then what I find is people layer that on. Exactly, exactly. And then I also used uh, another person. So I have another person in my team who just does the social media because that, again, is a different skill set. Not everyone is, um, you know, not everyone has that propensity to really understand what's required in creating a, a plan but also implementing a plan and using a number of different platforms and, and um, particularly to create content um, like, you know, Canva and those sort of um visual platform so so that's a particular skill set yeah that's amazing and so you started your business in 2019 mm-hmm. and you've had a lot of success um since then so how has how virtual assistants you know supported you in that I think the main thing is really ensuring that I come across to clients uh, as the professional self that I know I can be and and that professionalism is always a bit diluted if I'm in a hurry, if I'm doing things that I haven't uh, that that need to be done, but I'm I'm time poor. And so, for example, even putting together proposals or putting together pitches, you know, without that help to really make sure that that's right, that the templates are being used properly, and that the content is even without, for example, spelling errors. You know, I need someone else who who can really be a sounding board and and a second check because I know that myself, I'm not a very detailed conscious person. I I can be, but it's not my superpower at all. And so I can miss things. I can spell things incorrectly or perhaps get the grammar wrong and 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 maybe create um, something that's not to standard. So I use virtual assistants to really help me where I know I have a deficit as well. Yes, I, I am so not a detail orientated person. I, um, well, we've got a test that we give to some of our uh, virtual right. assistant candidates around detail. I failed it. <laughs> my recruiters yeah. were laughing at me. They thought I was joking. I'm like, no, look at my yeah. results. I failed it. I would probably fail it too. And I was trying as well. I was yeah. really trying. Yeah. And so that that's a common thing a business owners come to me with. They're like, oh, I'm, you know, my mind's all over the place and I want yes. like almost like that backbone, the metronome of the business that just, you know, 
does things day in and day out independent of, of what else is going on. Exactly, so, exactly. And also yeah. just someone who's there when when I'm not there. So, for example, you know, I want to take a holiday now and again. I want to be offline now and again. Or or if, a lot of what I do in my business is run team workshops. So I might be actually delivering, um, which is great. You want to be delivering in your business. But while I'm delivering, I haven't got time to, for example, make sure that I'm responding to emails in time or responding to comments and et cetera for help on other channels. So I really need someone to, you know, kick off those things when I'm not there. So that support is really important. And, um, and you know, my business took a while to build, you know, at the beginning, it's always a little bit hard because you're, you're doing a lot of business development, you're talking to a lot of people, but really just having that um, set of processes that someone else is t- looking after is great um, because things take time to get right. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, Josephine, how do you communicate with your virtual assistant team? So in the beginning, particularly when I when I have a new virtual assistant, I actually communicate with them a lot. Um, and that, that then, mm. you know, as they get their strides and as they get to learn the business, it actually, you know, gets less and less. But at the beginning, it's every day. It's an every, and I, I kind of call them check-ins. So it's an everyday check-in. It's at the same time. Because also I'm, things are changing for me. I might be working on something and then I have to shift to something Mm -hmm. else and something else becomes a priority. So that's really important. It's a daily thing. And I know that can take a bit of time, but it's so worth it if you put the investment in. And also, you know, you might be training during that time. You might be just also giving that person an idea of the kinds of ways that you speak because Mm. you want them in some ways to be able to communicate like you do. And so all of that's important. So daily check-ins are really important. Yeah. And so how long do you do the daily check-ins for? Like what what does it usually end up being? It's it, well, it's you know, it's it can be half an hour to 45 minutes a day. And I I particularly in the first 2 or 3 months, it's that. It's the it's it, it's my commitment to them and uh so it's really, you know, ramped up in those 2 or 3 months. And then it tends to taper off and my ideal is that I'm getting it down to about maybe once a week. So it's a check-in once a week and then they know enough to just go and maybe there's also um some things that come up. So I use a lot of communication software and channels. I use Slack. I use WhatsApp. I use um, uh, Trello. Like I use all of those things because I don't find one does everything I need. Yes. So, you know, I'm, I'm uh, particularly for frequent things that come up, that's the WhatsApp. Um, what I don't use, Carmen, is email. Because email is the um, the bane of my existence and I hate it. And also your virtual assistant should be in your email. Exactly. Things, um, and not, not adding to it. So I, right. I agree with that. Uh, on the odd occasion when it just makes sense to email in, in Slack, we're like, we've emailed you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I want you to look at this or, yeah. or whatever. But you'd be um, so surprised at how locked in people are to email. I, I just find we've just got to get off that email. And, and so I don't, I even, I even instruct my virtual assistants to not be on email all day because then they're not doing focused work either. So yeah. I sort of instruct them to check emails in the morning, middle of the day, end of the day. They shouldn't have to be on email, not for my business anyway. They shouldn't have to be on emails all day. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. And so what have you learned about yourself in your virtual assistant journey? 
I have to be very patient when virtual assistants start because it takes a lot of my time and it can feel like it's a lot of investment that I'm making. So I have to remind myself to be patient because sometimes I can get frustrated. I might have asked for something to be done and it's not quite there. So I have to be patient and then, um, and I guess I've learned that I can get frustrated, but that's my problem. It's not their problem. And and I've also met many virtual assistants in, you know, through my business career that have been telling me about how, for example, rude that business owners can be or that they they haven't received feedback well. And I think that, you know, for me, I, I've, I'm always reminded and that we're all people. We all make mistakes. We, we need feedback, both constructive and positive. So, so I'm I'm always keeping myself in check because you know I'm human too. But that's something I've learned that I'm I'm just I just expect myself to get frustrated, but then I don't I never never sort of lash out or you know I never transfer that frustration to someone else because it's not it's not productive to do that. Yeah, and that's a really good point around you know being controlled so that you can give the required feedback and. Uh, but still maintain that relationship. Yeah, exactly. And and I guess the other thing I've learned is that I used to have a lot of trouble letting things go because, you know, there were things that I was doing, maybe I've set something up and I'm just doing that and, and sometimes I feel like it's easier for me to, to just do it rather than let it go because to let it go means I've got to, you know, put some training in or I've got to develop that other person in that skill and but what i find i've learned every single time when i let something go and i delegate it it's better it's always better and then i and then i think why didn't i delegate this months ago so this idea of i have to do it all myself for it to be right or or i couldn't possibly delegate i'm actually now questioning everything can i delegate that can i delegate this because the more that it, the, the more that's off my plate the more i'm actually doing things that I actually enjoy doing in my business and that make an impact for me in my business. So I wasn't, I didn't know that about myself necessarily um, because of when I've led teams of people that are more face-to-face and in the organisation, I've always felt like I was good at delegating. So it was a really interesting thing to learn about myself. Yeah, I I haven't met a perfect delegator, including myself. I'm it's far hard. From perfect, but I I think it's the people like yourself who are, are reflective and who go, oh, what worked, what didn't work, how yeah. could I have done that better? Like they're the they're the people that have the success. Not you know, yeah, because people come to me going, oh, but I'm you know I'm not perfect at that or I'm not great at that it's like that's fine as long as you're open to putting the work in exactly. feeling a bit uncomfortable and being reflective then we can make it work and and often I have to give feedback a number of times before the VA gets it right mm. you know and again you know you have to control your frustration around that but but I know that I know that for example, I might explain something and they don't quite get it or they get 50% of it and not 100% of it. And and that's on me. And I always say that to the to the team. I always say, I obviously didn't explain that well. Here's another way of learning that. And so you've got to make learning easy. I, I find, I mean, I've, I've got a background as an educator and so I'm a bit more aware of that. Uh, but, but I'm still reminding myself to make sure that I'm 
I'm expressing myself, particularly if I want to transfer or delegate something, I'll probably have to really explain that at least twice, maybe three times sometimes, and and it's, and so that we can keep improving it as well. So it's not it's not the case that you delegate something and then it's done and it's forgotten about. I have to give that feedback. I have to check and review. I have to make sure that um, that that we are always improving. And you know the the benefits are amazing because sometimes the team come up with ways to do things I hadn't thought about. Okay. Yeah, because uh, like like you said before, the the fear I think with delegating is, oh, maybe it might not be as good as if I did it myself. And how I manage my fears around that to go, okay, come, even if it's 80% of, exactly. as good as you would have done, it's still probably better that you're not doing it. Exactly. And the reality is after a little bit of, you know, trial and error, it's usually 105, 120% better than when I would have done it. Always, always is. And, and I think we've got to remember, particularly people uh, – need positive reinforcement as well as that kind of, you know, constructive feedback. So I'm always trying to give some positive reinforcement, which is not just, oh, well done on that. It's like, well done. And this is what I saw you do. And, it, and that was that was exactly what I'm looking for in, in that thing. So, so I think that positive reinforcement is great because we know, and this is what I talk to senior leadership teams a lot, we often do not give positive feedback. We often, because yeah. we're looking for where things are going wrong or the risks or the issues, and that's what you're often focused on. But you can actually give someone one sort of, you know, bit of positive feedback and they won't even hear you if you've given them five bits of constructive feedback because they'll be focusing on what went wrong rather than what you said was going right. So you've got to balance that. Yeah, and get that ratio happening. Mm. And what I loved about the positive feedback, the example that you gave was uh, that you, you're you quite specific. So earlier today I just weighed, made one of my errors with my lack of detail and a team <laughs> member brought it up and what just came up for me, I, I thanked her for picking it up. But yeah. What I should have said to her, and I'm going to go back and say to her, yeah. was thank you for picking it up. It makes me feel secure knowing that I can make mistakes and that you are so on the ball you're yes. going to pick that up and check with me and that just makes me feel safe. Exactly. I, you know, that is, um, to that point, the amount of times I'd put something in the social media plan where maybe the grammar wasn't right or the link was incorrect or and went to have someone pick that up and say, are you sure about this? You know, or I tested the link, it's not working. And that then you start to get that pro- proactivity and being, being, you know, what you're looking for I think is often a VA who's proactive. And when I first started, that's what I had in my description, right, in my skills list. I, I need them to be proactive. But being proactive comes from them receiving feedback from you and also them starting to learn your business and you allowing them to, to kind of have that autonomy to do it, to, you know, to test and trial. And no one is going to be proactive if they're fearing that that they're, they're going to make a mistake. They're just going to do what you say to the letter, and you don't want that. You know, as a team, we have to all. You know, you want you want to be able to pitch in, and everybody's everybody's really hooked onto the same shared goal, and that will never happen if you don't give people that. You've got to be give people that leeway to make a mistake. Yeah, well said. Uh, like I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I um, you know, initiative. Yes, yeah, some people might have a 
slight bent to it, but you need to nurture it. So Absolutely. One of my virtual assistants, Jonathan, he's a superstar, but at the start he made a mistake and he hit it. And then I had a chat with him and he said, oh, in my old job I would have been fired. Yes. And so now he's very free in telling me that he's made mistakes and he's fixed them and then he's done this and then he's picking out my mistakes. and, and Exactly. But it wasn't wasn't day one. Yeah, and I think because, you know, often we're working with, I, I use, I, you know, often we're working with virtual assistants who are from different cultures. So I've used a lot of virtual assistants from the Philippines, for example, and there's a national culture that really drives their behaviour and we have to be a, a bit, you know, I, I'm very aware of that. So I'm aware that I'm dealing with people who perhaps through their early experiences in that, you know, as part of that national culture, they haven't quite been... Um, encouraged to to you know raise issues because there's there's a a, you know it's almost like a norm that that you're able to service someone and you should always say yes and you should always you know giving your opinion isn't really encouraged in that culture or particularly even if you can't do something you say that you can do it and then you know you kind of work it out and I don't want I don't want my virtual assistant team to work it out because I might have the answer. I want them to say, hey, I don't know how to do that. What do you think? Because I want them to kind of be able to learn with me. And then sometimes I'll say, I don't know either. How about we go somewhere else and find out who knows about that? And sometimes it's Google and sometimes it's someone (laughs) somewhere else, you know. But you you want to have that, it's almost like having an understanding of the person in front of you. I think particularly with remote teams, we can lose sight that there's a real person in front of us with drives and motivation, stuff happening at home, all of that. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so you've shared so much, but what do you think is like the main secret to success with virtual assistants? You've got to put time in to really develop the person in your team. And so you've got to be ready to do that. And I structure it into my diary. So I structure that time because sometimes what I'm doing is also creating maybe a video where I'm um, doing a training video for them, you know. um, And so if I don't put the time in, they're not going to be able to work at their potential. So that time required, it feels like an investment and it's so worth it. It is an investment. So I think that in particular is the main thing. I think that's been the secret of my success. And also, you know, a smile, positive reinforcement, learning about their family, being interested in the human being in front of you. I think that's been the one as well. So I've ended up with very loyal people in my team, which is wonderful because then that means I've got a whole team of people who are are helping me with my goals. And, you know, that's golden, absolutely golden. It is. It's it's so powerful when you've got a team because you can have an idea and then get support to implement it with like very short lead time. It's amazing. Exactly. Um, and so, Josephine, some people who are listening might be thinking about getting a virtual assistant. What advice do you have for them? Well, I think they should use you, Carmen. <laughs> so using an agency is actually really important because firstly, um, there are a lot of people looking for work and that selection process is a very it's a skill set. And like, for example, I can't do everything in my business. I'm definitely not an expert in selection. So I've actually had 
some real false starts where I've actually recruited someone and they haven't been right. So having someone who you trust who can actually do that work for you is really important. And then particularly what I love about your business too, Carmen, is that you provide that um, support for the virtual assistant in terms of that team environment. So I think that's really important. Um, so, so, so that would be where I would start in particular. Yeah, fantastic. And that um, that recruitment side, like we've got two people working full time on finding those needles in the haystack. Like we get hundreds of applications a week, and we hire just a couple of them. So it's it's a full on process. So uh, I'm hearing you on that. And mm-hmm. because it takes so much time to invest in a new virtual assistant, you want to be pretty sure that you want to spend that time on them. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. and you know, I think that also. Having someone you trust, particularly, um, you know, I, I, I like the idea of having someone I trust in Australia who's leading that only because I know that in, a, in Australia we have a certain, again, culture around work and around um, and there's some integrity in that, whereas I don't know about other other countries and I'm, I'm less sure about their um, ability to set up a workplace for staff that are that is actually in line with my values. So I would be mortified, for example, if I was using an agency whereby their work practices were really um, unethical, for example, or providing stress and strain to the virtual assistant, and I wasn't aware of that. So I think that's important too, because you know, particularly in my business, I'm I'm an advocate for healthy work. You know, we should never, you know, be coming to work and experiencing adverse stress and strain to the point where it's affecting our health. And I've actually met, you know, a lot of virtual assistants who have had those experiences. They've told me about those experiences in their past engagements. And that should never be what we sign up for. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it, we we prune out any business owners that are just not nice, either in the sales process or sometimes we don't catch them. Sometimes we pick it up a bit later on and we have to do that transition because my team, we're very protective over our virtual assistants. Yeah, it's it's good. You've, it, you know, again, because we're dealing with people and, you know, there's this, there's this colonialisation sort of um overlay otherwise you know I don't want to be someone in Australia who's taking advantage of people in another country who don't expect for example who don't know about this this sort of the the standards that 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 we are used to and I think that 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 is actually really important so and especially when you're building a team because you want people to stay with you for the long haul you know I'm in business for the long haul so that turnover can be detrimental to my business because, as you know, I said before, it takes a while to develop someone. So I don't want to be turning people over. I want I want a happy team who are driven and motivated and getting what they need to really do the best that they can do as well. Because I know that that works for me. Yes. In, in terms of my so so you know, as a business owner, it's on me the kind of culture that I'm creating, the team culture that I'm creating. Yeah, beautiful, and I love everything that you've shared you like you've shared so much so many amazing things and I we share the same values but you're just very articulate in saying it um and I know that you uh believe this you implement it in your own team you support other teams with culture um and you know getting them working together really well so if someone's interested in learning a bit more about you and the work you do where can they find you 
Um, so probably the easiest thing is to go onto my website, which is www.geardforgrowth.biz. That's B-I-Z. So all one word and then dot B-I-Z. And, um, and you can contact me through the website. That's probably the easiest way. And, of course, find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> awesome. So I'll put the that link in the show notes. Great, thank and you. And so Josephine, any final words? I think it always takes a team. So for those business owners that are out there doing it on their own, doing everything by themselves, there's a better way to do business. You know, because for, for me business should be fun. And you know, it takes a team to make business fun. So you don't have to do it on your own. There's lots of people who can help you. And and also you can build it into your business model as well quite easily, I think, Um, even though some people perhaps might find that, um, you know, they're they're unsure. It's worth even just having a go and really trying because once they're on that road, they'll never look back. They will never look back. That That would be the last words, I think. That's amazing. Well said. Thank you so much.